Welcome back to another Yak Podcast. We're continuing our series on apologetics, and this week we discuss the idea of how can you know, uh, otherwise known as epistemology or the study of knowledge. Hope you enjoy. Make clear my words um, as we continue this study of apologetics. Um, that, Lord, it would invigor us uh, with a desire to uh, defend the gospel, um, to understand our faith, um, and to see the reasons behind it. Uh, Lord, thank you that all truth is your truth, and uh, everything good in the world is a reflection of you. Um, and, Lord, uh, may we come to realize that in a greater and stronger way through the process of uh, diving into uh, these truths about you. In your son's name, amen. Okay, apologetics is Micaiah. What's apologetics? Excellent. So, everyone, so Olivia, what was that? What's the definition of apologetics? Okay, justification and defense of the Christian faith. Okay, Zach, you got that? Apologetics? Okay. That was week one. We talked about. What apologetics is and isn't, what's the aims of the whole, uh, whole kind of lesson series. Last week we talked about what is truth, okay, the marker, see this marker, remember this from last week, marker, where am I going to put it? On the table. On the table. Okay, Ian, what makes that true? No. Because it's on the table. What makes it true is the fact that it's on the table. So Taylor... Taylor. Yes. The marker's on the table. Why is that true? Because it is. Because it is. Okay? It is the correspondence theory of truth. What makes it true is the fact that the object actually is on the table. Remember when we had this uh, small diagram last week where you had the object, call it a marker, <coughs> okay? And then we had the subject, or us, okay? Got the eye. And I'm seeing it. So this is the object, a big O, and this is the subject. So truth value is determined by the object. And if you're blind, is that still true? Yep. Zach, if you are deaf, mute, you've lost all five senses. You are just unlucky. So you have no way of knowing. Is that still true? Why? Because is this the object or the subject? Object. object. Excellent. What are you? The subject. Last week we covered most of the time we spent on the object, on what is truth. What is truth? Well, it corresponds with reality. And if reality is created and determined by God, then it's going to be a reflection of him. Does that make sense? So all truth is God's truth. It's nice. Okay? All lies, well, that's you guys and the devil. Okay? And me too. I'll put myself in there. Okay? This week, we're covering about this baby. We're covering the subject. Because there is a gap in between the object and the subject, right? And that gap here is called epistemology. Or the study of of knowledge. Okay? The study of knowledge. Epistemology 
study of knowledge. How do I know? I got the marker here. Here I am with my eye spy with your little eye. And here is epistemology. How do you know at all? Can you know at all? So question, the first question we should ask, because words have meaning. Y'all get that? Webster taught us this. Okay? Words have meaning. What is knowledge? I'm going to throw that out to you. Let's see what you think. I don't expect you to get it right, but I do want you thinking. Sam, what's knowledge? To have knowledge. <laughs> okay. Okay, I love that. Let's just use the word and the definition. That's not a bad thing. You're, you're going to make a good lawyer or a philosopher. Okay? <laughs> Study of knowledge, something you know. <coughs> Watson. You say profound things. This is why I'm calling on you. Okay? I know I'm picking on the Millers over it seems like it right now. I'm coming to you next, Melissa, so be thinking. Watson, <laughs> what is knowledge? It's knowing that tomato is a fruit. <laughs> okay. I'm going to use that as an example later. Thank you. I'll take it. So, Melissa, without being fruity... And without using the word within the actual definition, that is the defensive, whatever. I said it earlier. Without being fruity and without being sand. Um, what is knowledge? The logic of how something works. Woo! I like it. So she's adding a pragmatic element to it of how something works. I'm going to give you this. It's a justified... True belief. Again, we'll make something true the object or the subject. The object. Here's your object. It's what makes it true. Who's the believer? The subject. Good job. You're over here. And justified is where the epistemology comes in. It's a justified true belief. Knowledge describes a belief that corresponds to reality and has justification to, adequate, to adequately prove it. Again, knowledge describes a belief that corresponds to reality and has justification to adequately prove it. Thank God we started early. Sorry, I'm like three lines and five pages, so I'm doing my best. We'll, do, we'll fly in a second here. So, now back to the subject here, belief. Because words have meaning. What is belief? What is belief? Kiana, I'm going to give it to you. You have great hair today. You can compete with him. So I don't know what you're putting that. It's like, no, you can't. No, you can't. You're a liar. Kiana, what is, uh, what's give me a, what, what do you think belief is? Trying to pull something, you know, Okay. Give me something non-philosophical. What do you think to be true? Okay, I don't need to go anywhere else. Yes. <laughs> Belief is something, is simply something that someone claims to be true. 
Excellent. You can be a philosopher. I could. <laughs> Something. Referring to the object. Someone. Referring to the subject. Claims to be true. Claims to be. Back to justified. Back to epistemology. See how this is all rolling together? It's beautiful. Beautiful. I love philosophy. It's like one big honeycomb. It's all connected. Differing beliefs on politics, religions, morals, or even favorite ice cream. Some views are trivial and opinionated, and others are more serious. Fact is, all of you hold a heck of a lot of beliefs. And some of them don't matter. My belief, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the best football franchise in the country. You hold a different opinion or belief. Yours is wrong, but you still hold it. Yeah, she wins the Super Bowl. Blah, 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 blah. blah. I have the Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, he's claiming more Super Bowls. Point is, we all hold beliefs. Some of them are... Most of ours don't matter. Some of them do. Because some of them reflect reality or try to reflect reality as a whole. We either hold to a true belief about reality or we don't hold to a true belief about reality. So, a belief must be true in order for it to be considered knowledge. Example, if I claim the world is flat, it is not considered knowledge, but a falsehood. I might have that belief, but I wouldn't call it knowledge. If you want to see some funny videos, visit the Flat Earth Society online, but that's it. He's wrong. Um, Imagine you overhear a conversation between two people who are arguing about something that happened the night before. One of the debaters claims, I know that this is what happened. By stressing the no, they are suggesting that they have knowledge that their statement is true. Whether you realize it or not, the word knowledge implies the concept of truth. You wouldn't say you know something if you didn't believe what you knew was true or wasn't true. So justified. You may ask, well then, what about all those other ideas popping up in my brain? I am sure if they are true, I I am unsure if they are true, so are they still knowledge? No, their beliefs are ideas and not knowledge. An idea must have some justification in order to be considered knowledge. The concept of justification is of extreme importance in today's lesson. For your understanding of how something is justified will determine your understanding of what can be categorized as knowledge. Reminder, before we get into as we deal with knowledge and how to know something. One, you should be reminded that we can rarely justify a claim to 100%. You need perfect induction to do that. Rarely can we do that. If you have not noticed before, you will begin to become very acquainted with those that state that unless something is justified to perfection, then they will not believe it. People believe this all the time. Well, if I can't know it for 100% certainty, then I'm not going to believe it. This is foolish. Even our court of laws don't demand that. Our court of laws demand past a reasonable shadow of a doubt. They don't ask. It's got to be 100%. You know it to be true. But that, that's unreasonable. When I was actually called up to uh, 
when you get jury duty? No one knew you just got it. Have you gotten it yet? Man, I would love to sit in a Chicago jury duty. You'd sure to get a murder case because I have them there all the time. Um, but jury duty, um, when I was sitting in there and being, and, you know, they cross-examine you to see if they want you to be the juror. And uh, the defensive attorney, and she called him on it, which I loved. The defensive attorney was a jerk. I probably would have gone against his client just because he existed. Um, but the defense attorney made that claim. He's like, if you can't know 100% sure, then you can't, make, you can't send my client to jail. <laughs> no, no, we can't. Uh, that's in our founding documents. Um, it's okay to believe something to be true, um, even if you don't have 100% certainty. Okay? Because we discussed two weeks ago, the number of things you can note of 100% certainty are extremely small. Um, unfortunately, those folks that claim that you need to know everything to 100% certainty are typically the ones who have problems believing in God. There is always, almost always a hint of faith in every belief claim. Almost always. If it was the case that we must prove something to 100% in order to be moved from belief to knowledge, then we would have a very limited view of knowledge. We don't believe that. It's a reminder. Some beliefs, though, are more justified than others. How much justification is needed in order for, to call a belief knowledge? And that's what we're going to figure out. How much justification? How much? In order to understand this question, we must first realize that different claims require different types of ju justification. Okay? This is one of my favorite... So, you have two claims. I used to use this with students all the time. They got it. This is my car. This is my mom. If a student or someone your age comes up to you, car on their right, mom on their left, this is my car, this is my mom. Are you going to justify <coughs> their claim the exact same way? If a student tells me he has a new car and points to a brand new Porsche in the parking lot, I may be a little skeptical. How can he prove this to me? He can show me a registration, his purchase order from the car company. He can quote the mileage and even jump in the car and start it up with his keys. This should satisfy my skepticism and thus I would likely believe him. Yet take the second claim. This is my mom. If the state student made this claim, would I use the same justification in order to prove that the woman he pointed at to is actually his mother? I don't think I would ask, I don't think it would be proper to ask his mom for his mom's registration or purchase order. And I definitely would not be, it definitely would not be appropriate to poke her with keys and ask for the mileage. We good? Different truth claims have to have different justifications. So this comes down to weighing what is true. So different truth claims require different justifications. Some you need a little bit more weight for. Some you'll use different measures of justify. And we're going to get into those different measures right here in a second. So, how much justification is in, needed in order to call belief knowledge? Depends on the situation, but here is an example. If a person in any given situation has exhausted all possible reasonable expectations, 
then a statement should be needed knowledge. Again, I'm going to say this slowly. If a person in any given situation has exhausted all possible reasonable explanations, then the statement should be deemed knowledge. If they've given you every reason, if they've given you two, three things, if it sounds logically, and if there's no competing claims of truth, then you should believe it. And you should believe it's knowledge, that it's true. So justify true belief. Okay? Again, I've already kind of touched on the possible and reasonable. Just because something is possible doesn't make it true. But it should be reasonably true. Okay? It's possible, even with the family resemblance and the fact that I've lived in his home for X number of years and um, shared similar DNA, that that is actually my dad in the fifth row. It is reasonable to believe that. It is also possible that an alien switched out his body last night and that guy is the king of Mars. It's possible. It's not reasonable. There goes your graduation present. Uh, so how do I justify a belief? What type of justification is needed to show that a belief is actually knowledge? Two plus two equals Five. Only the sixth grader. Come on, y'all. Two plus two equals seventh grader. Two plus two equals four. Ronald Reagan was president from 1981 to 1989. I have a headache. I know. How can we tell that these are examples of knowledge or falsehood? I just give you three different things. Again, two plus two equals four. Ronald Reagan was president from 81 to 89, and I have a headache. Would you use the same justification means to just? Would you use the same type of justification? No. There are four types. First one is authority. Second one is rationality. Third, third one is empiricism. And the fourth one, I'm just going to do the initials, ISA, immediate sensory awareness. These are the four major ways we justify things daily. I'm breaking down what is common sense to you. You will all see common sense throughout this whole thing. But it needs to be broken down as we discuss the truth claims of Christianity. Because you are going to use all four. These are the four major ways. Um, this is not exhaustive. If I was going to do a whole class on this, I could do a whole seminary class on this over the course of a 12-week um, session. This is a primer. Okay? So we're going to go deep into stuff, but you don't. we're not even touching the surface. Okay? So I'm giving you that heads up for those of you. So authority. Okay, this one's easy. Okay? People use this. I saw it on the news. The news is the authority. My mom told me. Another authority. God forbid this one. I saw it on the internet. This is the type that is justification by authority. Let me make this clear. This is not always bad. If you have a physics question, you should ask a physics professor. 
Okay? If you have a law question, you should ask, talk to a lawyer. If you have a tax question, talk to a tax attorney. These are authorities that, based on their title, you should be able to trust. So authority is not always a bad thing. You do this every day. Okay? Here's the critique, though. This is the critique to authority. Authority is good. Think authority is good. But the fact is, authority at the end of the day, they can be wrong. They just can be wrong. How do we know that an authority is correct? Thus, an appeal to authority often ends in skepticism. Appeal to authority is actually a logical fallacy, if you've taken logic with me. Additionally, what happens when it comes to religious faith? How is an expert, who is an expert on God? As was discussed in chapter 2, most young people believe in Christianity due to the fact that they were told so as children. Eventually, the authority of the parents becomes questioned and the faith of the young person falters. When this happens, these three other justification tools need to be utilized. So we've got to use the other tools. Next one is rationality. Not rationalism, which is something completely different. Okay, this should be fun. This is going to be new for some of you. Okay. Use of pure deductive logic. Does anyone know what a syllogism is? Matt. A logical statement. A logical statement. You're like Sam. Make it a circle. Okay. What's the two things? Again, you're so close. Premises. Two premises and a logical conclusion. So syllogism is something with, <laughs> at minimum, two premises. That are true. Valid. Valid. Yes. Difference. Valid, valid, yes. Two premises equals a logical conclusion. Okay? This is one that's used in every philosophy class since, well, this guy. Socrates. Is a man. All men are mortal. Which means Socrates is mortal. You have your premise, two premises, A and B, and it leads to Socrates is mortal. What this is, basic logic. A equals B. B equals C. Therefore, A equals C. Okay? So again, this is the basic structure of an argument. Okay? This one I made up at home, but I didn't write it down, so let's see if I get this. Okay? Centaurs... Are half man, half ponies. Horse, half man, half horse. I like ponies though. Half man, half ponies. Okay? All half men, half ponies, uh, half horses, are 
Exactly like this one. Party ponies. Dude, they carry on paintball. Centaurs are party ponies. All okay. centaurs. All centaurs are party parties. Okay, it's from the Percy Jackson. Now, let's pretend that one's up here. That's a valid argument. It logically follows. Doesn't make it true. We use this term interchangeably on the news, and it bothers me to no end. There's a huge difference between valid and true. Valid just means it logically follows. It doesn't mean the statements are true in themselves or that they actually correspond to reality. We can talk about party ponies all day, but guess what? They're not real. I know. I just ruined your Christmas. Okay? Okay? Does that make sense? I'm with you. You with me? Okay. This is rationality. It's a basic syllogism. Okay? If the context of the above premises correspond to reality, then the syllogism is correct and the conclusion is irrefutable. If you're ever in a debate with somebody, you need to ask them to state it in logical form. The reason you do that is then you can actually attack their premises. What good debaters do is they will give you a logical syllogism and then the other debater who has a different opinion will attack the premises of the actual argument. Does that make sense? That's what should happen. Don't turn on a presidential debate. You won't see it. It's just talking point and hashtags. Drives me nuts. It should just be on SNL. All presidential debates should be on SNL. We at least have a band, and then at the very end, everyone comes out and says, Good night! And we're all happy. Okay? But this is what we want to shoot for. Notice that there is no investigation involved in rationalism. No one set out to find if it was true that Socrates was truly a man, a figment of my imagination, or my neighbor's dog. No one set out to do that rationally. No person investigated the content of the syllogism. In rationalism, the mind is given the spotlight while the sense or the senses take a back seat. Arguments of this type are called a priori. It's a Latin term. Argument uses a line of reasoning prior to using the senses for information. So a priori prior to using senses. Purely rational arguments use analytic statements for their foundation. What do I mean by analytic statements? Analytic statements do what Sam did earlier. A claim which includes part of the definition of the word in its statement. Here's an analytic statement. Huh? Huh? You did, and I really appreciate that. And I'm about to use this tomatoes soon. Okay? Squares have four sides. Whoa. Deep. I know, you didn't think you were walking away with that type of knowledge. Okay? Squares have four sides. That's an analytic statement. The definition is literally in what I'm saying. Okay? Monkey is a mammal. Analytic statement. Funny. Rain wow. is wet. 
Rain is wet. Analytic statements. Okay? And we use these every day. We use rationalism every day. Okay? You're thinking about prom. You meet a boy from another school. You're told from your friend that he's Wakeland High's most eligible bachelor. <laughs> other than the fact that he is in high school, you now know for certain that he's unmarried. Why? Because you've used because you've used reason. All bachelors are what? Unmarried. Unmarried men. And that's what I'm going to show us for. Fred is a bachelor. Thus, Fred is a unmarried man. You use this type of thinking all the time. Oh. Now give me well, let me give you two critiques. But it's really one critique and one clarification. While we are discussing some of the basic tenets of reason, there is a difference between this and rationalism, which is a system of thought that is the basis for all truth claims. I bring this up because I want those of you who are further ahead to catch the difference, and when you come back to listen to this podcast in 10 years, with greater knowledge, you don't think I intentionally gypped you. This is the starting ground for knowledge, not an exhaustive study of it. And this is the second one, and that is rationality. cannot justify all truth claims. Rationality is limited. What is the true way to cook a cupcake? Can you write that in a rational syllogism for me? No? Well, you have to test the oven temperatures and see what works best, right? You will not be able to come up with the answer to that only in the mind. Cupcake baking is not a priori knowledge. Okay? <coughs> Next one. I already wrote it earlier. Empiricism. Empiricism is this. Use the senses. To justify a claim. Focuses on the sensory information and assigns pure reason a lesser role in the justification of knowledge. Ever heard of this? I have to see it to believe it. It's at the heart of empiricism. Science is the study of the world using empirical methods. They use a word that has way too many vowels. A posteriori thinking. So if a priori was arguments made before the use of the senses, what do you think this one is? After. You are brilliant. Hey, after use of senses. I know you're like, why are you giving us these big words? Because if you listen to any debate between a theist and a non-theist, they use these words like sprinkles. They just throw them out there. Actually, let's take that back. Glitter. They just throw them out there. They get behind your ears. Four weeks later after the debate, you're like, how did it, why is it still there? Why is it still there? 
so bad. I had that happen with Relish once. It was a camp game. But a week after, cleaning out my ears. And there was still a piece of relish back there. I had really long hair at that point. So, oh, God. So, disgusting. Disgusting. I was wondering why I smelled like pickles that whole week. So, this is useful. If anyone makes a truth claim, all you have to do is ask for proof. If a person is able to give a sufficient amount of observable proof, then the claim is justified. You use this on a daily basis. Anytime you feel like you need to see something for yourself, you are requiring empirical evidence for justification of that belief. An example of the ownership of the Porsche early required empirical evidence as proof. Let me see the title. Let me see the registration. Let me see the purchase order. That's all empirical proof. I want to see it. I want to touch it. Critique. While empiricism seems to be an easy answer, we must realize that even knowledge that seems purely derived from the senses is actually dependent on concepts in the mind. Example, Monty sees something on the horizon. He approaches that thing and briefly examines it, and he realizes it's a raccoon. Question, how did he know that animal was a raccoon? <coughs> did he test it? He had some. He had some prior knowledge of it. He had some a priori knowledge that he brought to the table for his a posteriori justification of it. And that's one of the critiques of empiricism. You bring knowledge and reason to the table. It kind of undergirds the whole thing. Okay? He already has a concept of the, ra of the raccoon before he investigated it. Thus, it seems that it is possible that there is actually no such thing as pure empiricism. Many philosophers argue that ideas are essential to gaining knowledge through the senses. Ideas have to sometimes, and a lot of times, come before sense experience of it. Many of you saw pictures, authority, of raccoons long before you tested their DNA to make sure they were raccoons. Okay? Or you had an awful experience as a two-year-old going to take out the trash. I don't know. So, one of the two. So. Um, what is the issue with this statement? Statement, And people make this statement all the time, and it bothers me. And this is the basic, when you study empiricism, I'm giving you a <coughs> middle school version. I can only know things through my five senses, or I can only know things empirically. What's the issue with that statement? I can only know things through my five senses or empirically. What's the issue with that statement? Ben, you want to give it a shot? How, how do we know that? Zach. Yes. So when you say I can only know things using my five senses or empirically, why is that statement false? Go for it, Watt. We can't see God. Well, I'm talking about this statement. God's a different category. Okay. Do you empirically know that? Thank you. 
How are you going to test that? Please tell me, using your five senses, how you came to that conclusion. You didn't, newsflash. You actually based that whole conclusion on this one. Which means this, as an absolute test for truth, is foolish. Does that make sense? You will hear this all the time. For you seniors, the moment you get on the college campus, this is the number one thing. Well, unless I can see it, I don't believe it. Do you believe that statement? Yes. Can you see that statement? I blame Missouri. I blame the show me state. Yeah, the show me state. I just blame Congress, but it's a different question. Topic. Good job voting, by the way. Okay? Got it? Does that make sense? It's it's a self-defeater. I cannot know truth. Is that true? Last one. What color have we not used at? Black. This one's the easiest. You're all going to get this. Immediate sensory awareness. Immediate sensory awareness. ISA. Not to be confused with empiricism. Empiricism involves investigation. ISA is sudden and unexamined sensation. Example, this happened to me tons of times when I was a teacher. I have a stomach ache. Well, that's an immediate sensation. I don't have to investigate it. It's only a feeling and a sensation, and that is obvious to you. Okay? Here's the critique of the ISA. It's not verifiable. And this happened all the time. A student would come up to me and said he'd have a stomach ache, and I have no way of knowing whether that's true or not, especially if the student had a test starting in two minutes. I don't know if you guys are you gonna vomit on me? I might. We'll take the test outside. Yeah. But 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 now I'm having a stomach ache just looking at you. Go outside. I was under a good administration. I could say things like that and I could fire. So it's nice. Likewise, if someone said, I feel God is moving me in this direction. <coughs> I have no way to prove that. God told me. Um, sure, he might have, but I, I don't got any way. I don't got any way to critique that. Summary of it all. Knowledge, we're on, where you are on the final stretch. <laughs> Knowledge is defined as a justified true belief, or rather a belief that corresponds to reality and has the justification to adequately prove it. We all have ideas, some of which can be considered knowledge. To determine what is knowledge and what is, uh, what is what we know, we must recognize how we are to justify belief in any given situation. We have seen the problems with authority, rationality, empiricism, and immediate sense awareness. Seems we need to judge what one, which one to use based on different situations. And this is the fact. The vast majority of the time, you'll use all three. Take an example of a job interview. When I was hiring people for camps, I met them. Shake their hand as they walked in to the interview. Hello, what's your name? And this would happen. 
It just naturally happens during a job interview. Uh, this, this person's creepy. This person's probably not good with children. This person's nice. A little bit of spunk. You know? We have an immediate sense of awareness about people. Then what do I do? We put them through tests, camp stuff, and I would empirically observe them with my five senses. Well, four. I wouldn't taste. <laughs> and, um, we figured it out. We'd make a decision. We'd sit down. I'd sit down with my director and then uh, also our boss, and we'd make choices based on empiricism and our ISA. And you know what else we'd do? We'd rationally sit down and work through why we should hire this person. And then finally we'd be like, okay, I think this is a good hire. And then when you turn in a resume, there's something called references. And I would call the references. Now the references are authority. I'd use all four. You use all four all the time. I hope when you choose a college, all four of these happen. You step on campus. One of the reasons I didn't go to U University of Greensboro is I stepped on that campus and it was just felt weird. I don't like it here. This feels awkward. Huh? I'm sorry. Okay. Then I got to rationally weigh my options. I read reviews about the situation online. That's my authority. Okay? And then I look at the data. I went to school originally for theater education. Met the theater education teacher. Immediate sensory awareness was through the roof. I'm like, I can work with this guy for the next four years. Liked him. One of the best theater education departments in the country. That rationally fit. And then I talked to other people who had him, and they're like, you need to work with this guy. Okay. I don't know you, but you're one of his students, so to me, that's good authority. You do this all the time. I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm just giving you class. I'm giving you classifications for the data. That's all I'm giving you at the end of the day, so you can logically think through these issues. So that's life. Why are we working about? Why are we working through this in 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 youth group HA? And this is where we're heading. We're building a case for Christianity in the next several weeks on these things. We're going to look at authority. We're going to look at it rationally. We're going to look at the evidence, and then there's something called the Holy Spirit that works in your life. Immediate sensory awareness. Okay? And we're going to see, is Christianity reasonable? Is it a justified, true belief? We're going to be building a case for Christianity. We're going to be approaching Christianity like a cold case detective. We're going to look at the evidence and see if Christianity best fits the reality we live in. See if it can be justified belief, or as we learn today, knowledge. Does it reflect the world we live in? I say the answer is absolutely yes. And we'll see some reasons why. So that's the end of our lesson for the day. We're going to review a... Thanks for listening to the Yak Podcast. I hope you enjoy our uh, series on apologetics. If you want more information on Yak, you can visit us at cccfrisco.org. I hope you'll join us again soon.